In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ascension Day is perhaps one of the most misunderstood of the major feasts of the church, and sometimes one that gets ignored or simply transferred to a Sunday. Part of the reason is it is odd or weird to celebrate because it's something that we can't explain very well, or we can't at least make perfect sense out of it. For example, we can talk about a child being born and understand part of the Incarnation and the birth of Jesus because we understand birth. Epiphany is rather easy to explain with the Magi giving gifts to the infant Jesus, gifts that are of great value, and we too give and receive gifts. But Ascension Day, this taking up to heaven, is hard to grasp because we don't understand what it looks like and what it means. And we are sometimes tempted to collapse the bodily resurrection of Jesus on Easter Day and the ascension of Jesus into heaven into one and the same event, which is not the case at all. So let us talk about what the ascension is by first talking about what it is not. It is not the physical lifting up of Jesus into the skies like some sort of astronaut, but it is Jesus departing from this earth in such a way that the disciples understood that Jesus went to heaven. Also, the ascension is not Jesus assuming some highly spiritualized existence and his earthly body being left on earth and his soul only taken to heaven. Rather, it is Jesus, perfect God and perfect man, going to dwell in the heavenly realm as body, as an earthly body, and as soul or as a divine nature too. And in this ascension, this going to heaven, Jesus is not only present there, but is also at the same time simultaneously present here with us. In order to understand this, or to at least partially understand this, we need to know what St. Luke and St. Paul both knew and understood about the event. First, we must not think, as I alluded to before, of Jesus becoming some sort of spaceman or astronaut, ascending into the clouds beyond our atmosphere into outer space and then finding heaven up there somewhere. Rather, we need to think of Jesus ascending, as in changing positions. In schools, we talk about moving someone into a new grade, or moving up, graduating. Generally, if someone moves from the eighth grade into the ninth grade, they might change buildings, go from one school to the next one down the road. They don't levitate off the ground, they do not necessarily move up physically in a building, although that is sometimes possible. They move up a grade, 
as in their station. And they move as their stations change. We might say the same thing about someone who gets a promotion with the same company or even in the military. They might change offices, moving to a different division, but doesn't quite mean that they are physically higher up, rather that they are now higher up in the chain of command, perhaps having some authority or more authority over others below him. When we think about it in that manner, rather than a physical ascending up, like a levitating into the clouds, we see that Jesus moved from one dimension of God's creation into another. And if we believe that heaven is the place where God abides, where God reigns from, then heaven is rather closer to earth than we sometimes suppose. The best way that we have found, if you will, over these last 2,000 years to represent this dimension of heaven and earth being joined is by the building of cathedrals and churches that both soar up into the skies, but also by the way that we have adorned them with beautiful stained glass windows that form a kaleidoscopic effect of light and etherealness. A telling feature, much like this very nave that we are in, is the openness and the space that is provided. We inhabit only a little small portion of it. The rest is filled with air, and that air is what seems to carry our prayers, our words, even our music up, up to heaven, as it were. Other churches, such as those of our brothers and sisters in the Orthodox tradition, have this altar area behind a screen so that once the Eucharistic prayer is complete, the priests and ministers come out into the people, coming from heaven, if you will, and they bring the blessed body and blood of Christ to earth, moving from heaven into earth and bringing it for the holy people of God. So if heaven, the presence of God, is the place where Jesus the Son also abides in a human body, and if it is as close as this room we sit in, but also as far away that we cannot see it, what does that all tell us? First, it tells us that Jesus has gone to reign in heaven. And having been crucified, resurrected, is now seated at the right hand of the, of the Father, at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus is king of all creation, king of the cosmos, now, already. Jesus does not wait to be crowned as king, Jesus is king. Second, Jesus as king 
still intercedes for us to the Father to bring about not only the full restoration of creation, but also intercedes for us, for sinners, for all mankind. Third, if we believe heaven is closer than it seems, and if we truly gather with the sense of expectation, wonder, and awe our liturgy invites us into, then the sacraments of the church, the means by which Jesus is truly and fully present with us, working through the power of the Holy Spirit, becomes not just important, but vitally important. The sacraments provide us a way of saying that, yes, Jesus is reigning in heaven and in control of all things. But at the same time, is as close as a morsel of bread, a sip of wine, the anointing of the sick with oil, the waters of baptism that welcome us into the family of God. Our post-enlightenment minds sometimes get in the way of thinking about things in both a spiritualized and theological way, but also in an imaginative way. We sometimes suspend belief in something because it seems too incredible to believe without some sort of data, some proof, some action that justifies a theory. Yet we see incredible things each day. Things that if we were to try to reproduce would fail. Imagine trying to recreate a home run in the exact place with the exact same bat and the exact same ball and the exact same pitcher, for example. Or imagine a golfer who makes a hole-in-one, coming back to the hole the next day and making the same shot. Even miraculous things that cause us to scratch our heads for a moment, like a car accident that looks devastating, yet everyone walks away unscathed. There are things that we sometimes really cannot quantify. Things that science, even our own eyes of observing, cannot understand. However, we do suspend belief when we watch shows like Star Trek, for example, and the beaming up of people by converting them into energy. Now, I know that none of us believe in beaming up someone. That's not the point. But with our imaginative mind, we can accept it. We can watch an episode and say, oh yes, now Captain Picard is going to be beamed up to the Enterprise, and then the show will continue on. Because we know the world that is created around the premise of Star Trek. 
If we can do that with imaginary things, with science fiction, movies and books, with talking animals, even the fantasy world of children and their toys, surely we can, use, uh, we can learn to use our imaginations into seeing the true things of this world through our faith. After all, what is more believable? Jesus ascending, moving into heaven, perhaps fading into a new dimension in front of his disciples, or Captain Picard beaming off into a starship to warp to another world. But just as we talk of Jesus ascending into heaven, sitting as king of the universe, we must also remember that we wait in joyful hope and expectation of his coming. When he returns, it will be as our judge, looking at what we have done and at what we have not done according to his will. Jesus is ruling now. And when he returns, he will complete, perfect, and restore this world and this universe to that which God the Father always intended it to be. Before Jesus was crucified, Jesus told his disciples, as we find in St. John's Gospel, that he was going to be going away and that we who are here would be doing what things Jesus did while he was here physically. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to my Father. Jesus, working through us and sending his Holy Spirit upon us, allows the church to do greater works in this age than he was able to accomplish as one man in a remote corner of the Roman Empire. Had he not ascended, the Holy Spirit would not have been given to us at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit would not now be present here with each of us. Jesus' ascension is the means by which the gospel is proclaimed throughout the world. The Jesus who ascended into heaven is the same Jesus who is now in every time, every place, and is with us now and wherever prayers are being said. Let us always remember the words of the angels to the disciples as told in the Acts of the Apostles. 
men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.